you take God's precious word and turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. God willing, we'll be expounding verses 14 through 15 tonight. The title of the message is Those Who Cross the Line. Those Who Cross the Line. So in chapter 2, Solomon told us that God has laid out paths of judgment. And he's given us these paths for us to walk in our Christian life. We've learned that there are paths that are safe for us to travel. They're well laid out, well thought out from beginning to end uh, paths for us to travel. uh, Paved with the word of God, the wisdom of God. Last Wednesday night, we learned the devil also has laid out his paths for the world to travel. And those paths lead us to uh, unnecessary trouble and heartache and ultimately eternal death if we continue on them. If we walk the path that God's laid out for us, Solomon said we'd be delivered from all of that unnecessary injury of walking the wrong path. But we have to be careful because we learned last week that the devil has his carnival barkers out. Remember, always trying to get us to uh, persuade us to walk the way of the world, to get on that path that the wicked world travels. Beginning in verse 10, just for reminder, if you'll look back there, Solomon says, When wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, Discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, to deliver thee from the way, that path, of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things, who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways or the paths of darkness. That's where we left off last week. And I'm not sure that I will ever understand, at least this side of heaven, why the majority of people in this world leave the path that their creator has given them to walk. It makes no sense whatsoever. But they do. I don't understand why they would want to walk in the ways of darkness and hide their face from the light of God. I don't understand why the devil and the angels that followed him chose to rebel against God. It makes no sense to me. Creatures, whether men or angels, uh, like these are willfully blind fools. And they walk in the darkness that they created themselves. As bizarre as it is, they're the enemies of their own souls. I don't understand. They are people, Solomon said. If you'll look now in verse 14 as we get into our new verses tonight. Solomon said they are people, and this will sound bizarre to you as well, who rejoice to do evil. When you think of the word rejoice, you kind of think of worship, don't you? That's what I think of. Rejoice the Lord with all thine heart. And again, I say rejoice. There's even a, a, a tune that has been put to some of the, the psalms, you know, about rejoicing in the Lord. But there are people who rejoice to do evil. And if you take your pens and underscore the word rejoice there in your text, the people Solomon is 
describing here are people who not only want to do evil, but they rejoice to do evil. Think about that for a moment with me. Rejoicing to do evil. The Bible says in Psalms 35 verse 9, Psalm 35, 9, if you're taking notes, the Bible says, My soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in His salvation. I don't know how many times I've looked at our uh, online comments after service. I always get on after service and read every one of them. And I don't know how many times I've looked on there and seen people say, Praise the Lord for Jesus. Praise the Lord, I'm saved. Praise the Lord, whatever. What are they doing? They're rejoicing in their salvation. And uh, when we think about how Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins and to give us eternal life, when we think about how much God loves us and how He's going to come again one day and we're going to live with Him forever, it makes us rejoice in our hearts at the thought of it. But when these people think about doing something evil, that makes them rejoice. It's bizarre, but it makes them rejoice. We rejoice in Jesus and they rejoice in doing wrong. And, and you may be thinking right now, Brother Richard, that sounds like some kind of perverted religion in a way. That a person would rejoice to do evil. And if you're thinking that, then you're absolutely right. Because that's what it is. It's the devil's religion. It's those who follow his perverted doctrine Everything the devil does, he counterfeits what God does. God has celebration, they have celebration. We celebrate in light, which leads to life. They celebrate in darkness, which leads to death. We celebrate in truth, they celebrate in lies. We celebrate in wisdom, they celebrate as fools. But they celebrate, they worship. As Christians, again, rejoice to do the will of God, they rejoice to transgress the will of God. They may not realize that's what they're rejoicing in. They may not think, well, let's rejoice to transgress God's will. They may not even believe in God. They may have put the thought, the knowledge of God out of their mind. But that's actually what they're doing. They're rejoicing to transgress the will of God. Solomon said they rejoice to do evil. Look back in your text. And delight in the frowardness of the wicked. So if you would underscore that word delight. Frowardness. If you'll remember we looked at that word not too long ago. Frowardness means something that is perverse or fraudulent. Remember that? Perverse or fraudulent. Wicked people do forward things. And these people delight in the forwardness not that they do. But they don't only delight in the forwardness that they do. Solomon says. They don't only rejoice to do evil themselves. But they enjoy watching others do it. He says they delight in the forwardness of the wicked. Barack Obama was a promoter of the anti-Christian 
agenda. He attended a, a, a church, quote unquote, that, but their, uh, their religion was black liberation theology. That's what it was called, black liberation theology. It was called a church. It was preached by a reverend, but it wasn't Christianity. It was a perversion of Christianity. And that would probably be gracious just to call it that. Because it wasn't Christianity at all. Barack Obama promoted abortion, homosexuality, and anti-Jewish nations he supported. He wanted to take money away from the hard-working people and give it away to those who did not work for it. And he even boasted about it. This is the forwardness of the wicked. Nevertheless, some of y'all may remember this. And now it'll go, hmm, I remember that. Now that lines up. When Barack Obama was running for president, MSNBC news anchor Chris Matthews compared him to Jesus. Y'all remember that? Compared him to Jesus. And he described what happened to him, what happened to Chris Matthews. He described what was happening to him when he heard Barack Obama speak. He said, quote, I feel this thrill going up my leg. I mean, I don't have that too often, end quote. In other words, he delighted in the frowardness of the wicked. He was rejoicing in it. That was his religion. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 16. Psalm 16. And when you get there, find verse 9. Psalm 16, verse 9. We're going to read 9 through 11. Have your pens handy. In Psalm 16, verse 9, it says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth, my flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life, in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Many of y'all will recognize that as a quote, a prophetic quote from the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only was it a prophetic quote from the Lord Jesus Christ, it was a prophetic quote from you and me. When Jesus came as a man... He did, on our behalf, what every one of us needed to do. We needed to be punished for our sin. We needed to live a perfect life. We had to die. It's appointed a man once to die, and after this, the judgment. And we needed to be raised from the dead. And so the psalmist here is saying, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad Because, Lord, you're not going to leave my soul in hell. 
Prophetically, Jesus said, you won't suffer your Holy One to see corruption. You'll show me the path of light. But in that, and in our identification with Christ, God's not going to leave us in hell either. And even though our flesh will see corruption temporarily, it won't see it permanently. And God's going to show us the path of light and raise us from the dead too. In Psalm 16, 9, underscore the word glad. And now underscore the word rejoiceth. Now in Proverbs chapter 2, where we're at tonight, in verse 14, these are the same two words, the words that are translated glad and rejoiceth, are the same two words in verse 14, translated delight and rejoice. The same two words, delight and rejoice. As Psalm 16 says, Christians delight and rejoice that we will overcome sin in Christ, will be raised from the, from the dead, overcome the grave, and we're going to live forever on account of Jesus. But these people delight and rejoice in straying from God, in not being shown the path of light, but being ushered forever into the path of darkness. They're glad and rejoice in that. Polar opposites, but the same thing. We rejoice Godward in truth toward light. They rejoice away from God in lies onward in darkness. But it's the same action. They're glad and they rejoice just in different directions than us. With totally different outcomes. It is a perverted religion. The Hebrew word translated delight in our text. It has the idea of someone spinning around in excitement. Y'all seen people do that? Especially women. They'll something them and go, oh, like that. We've all seen them do that. That's the, how this Hebrew word is here. I got to get that done while I'm still can. If I keep preaching into my seventies here, I'd probably fall off the. That's so I'm gonna get all that done now, while I can. But that's what it means here when we hear some great truth about how God is advancing His kingdom. When 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 Bible Bill wrote me and said, "Hey, he sent me a picture of this banner. Can can we do your booklet like this? What do you think I did? Like Brother Doug? Woo!" Go get it. Let's go. Let's go. But when we hear some truth about how God's advancing His kingdom and how He's brought someone to faith in Christ, we start praising the Lord. We spin around in our hearts, say, thank you, God. But when these people hear how someone's living contrary to the will of God and working against the kingdom of God, they get a thrill up their leg. They start praising themselves. Why is this so important for us to understand? Because we need to understand the difference between believers who struggle with their sinful flesh versus unbelievers who delight and rejoice in it. You see that? Some of y'all online need to hear this. We need to understand the difference between believers who struggle in their sinful flesh versus unbelievers who delight and rejoice in it. Romans chapter 7 verse 23, uh, 22 through 23. 
if you're taking notes. This is what Paul said in Romans 7, 22 through 23. He said, I delight. There's our word delight, right? He said, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, it is in my flesh, warring against the law of my mind. In Paul's spirit, as a believer, he delighted in doing God's will. But in Paul's flesh, he struggled. There was a war, there was a battle to do the will of God. But in a wicked person's mind, they delight in doing contrary to God's law. There's no war going on. There's no struggle going on. They don't struggle in their flesh. They rejoice in it. You see the difference? The devil loves to make Christians think that they have gone beyond the point that God can save them. He'll point out some sin in their lives. He'll say, see there, you're not a Christian. He'll tell them that they're too wicked to be saved. That they've gone too far and God's turned them over to a reprobate mind. I have people tell me all the time. They'll write me in on the website. Scared to death they're going to hell. They want to do God's will. But they struggle and, and, and they're, 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 they're struggling with their flesh. And they say, I, I think God's turned me over to a reprobate mind. When the truth is, they're struggling with sin. They're not rejoicing in it. There's rejoicing in it. Why would they be calling me? They don't want to do wrong. Oh yes, their flesh wants to do wrong. The flesh will always want to do wrong. That's what the flesh does. But they don't, in their inward man, they don't want to do wrong. They delight in the law of God after their inward man, but they find another law warring in their fleshly members against them. Solomon said, these people delight and rejoice in their wickedness. They are people, verse 15, whose ways are Crooked. And that means they veer or they crook off the path God has for them. That, that path of judgment we were talking about. And isn't it, isn't it interesting in our, our English vernacular that when we talk about someone who, who does wrong, even if you're not a Christian, if you talk about someone who does wrong, we call them crooked. Now how can someone be crooked if there's not a straight path that's laid out for them. How would you know they were crooked if there wasn't something straight to compare it to? My wife has a, a, a sign, I guess you would say, hanging up in our guest bedroom, our guest bathroom. Kind of like a picture, but it's, it's words instead of a, you know, a painting or something. And it says, deep down inside, you already know the truth. And these people do. That's why they call them crooked. That's why they say, uh, if someone's a lawbreaker, they say, well, they're, watch out for him. He's a crook. What does that mean, a crook? It means he's veered off the path he's supposed to be on. Our own language owns what we know about God in man deep down inside. 
I find it fascinating that homosexual people will call us straight. Isn't that something? Straight. Which means they are crooked. They're not straight. Deep down in the human heart, people know that God has laid out a straight path for them to walk in. But they rejoice in being crooked and warped people who twist and bend and altogether depart from that straight path. Solomon says, look back in your text, and they forward in their paths. They forward in their paths. To forward, that's a verb there now. Forwardness is perversion or fraud, fraudulent, something that's fraudulent. But this word here is not forwardness. This is forward. This is a verb. This is action. To forward means to turn aside. When they walk through life, they turn aside from the path God has given us to walk. And this helps give us an understanding. It helps give us a visual of how, how we're supposed to walk in our Christian lives. Not departing from the safe path that God has laid out for us in His Word. Now, next to verse 15, here in your margin, write down Joshua 23, verse 6. Joshua 23, verse 6. And I want you to listen to what God told the nation of Israel to do in order to be successful in the promised land. He said, Be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Now listen to what he said. That ye turn not aside. In other words, that you don't forward. That you don't turn aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left. In other words, my word straight, I've given it to you. You make sure and do everything it says. You, you, you step according to the marching orders I've given you in the word of God in my law. And make sure you don't turn aside a little to the left or a little to the right. You keep marching straight on in that word. Then you're not crooked. Then you're not walking in forwardness. This is why it's so important for us to read God's Word. How can you walk in it if you don't know it? I take the same highway to work every time I commute. I've traveled that same highway many times, and, and I'm very familiar with that highway. Many other people have the same commute just like me. After a while, you get to where you recognize the same vehicles each morning, some of them. But even though people take that same path back and forth every day, just like me, there's still wrecks on that highway all the time. We passed up two, uh, looked like major accidents on the way up here. One was a rollover just south of uh, Maybank on 175. Had ambulance and all out there. Those people probably have gone up and down that road so many times. We don't know. One in Athens on 175. And uh, a few years back, a lady I graduated high school with was doing her commute on the same highway that I did my commute on. And uh, unfortunately, for whatever reason, she crossed over that yellow line and she struck a truck head on. 
I don't know if she was reaching for something or if she was texting or I don't know what it was. But she crossed over that yellow line. She had a truck head on and it killed her. You see, familiarity with the road doesn't keep you safe. Staying in your lane and obeying the laws does. All it takes is one person to turn a little to the left or a little to the right of the path marked out for them. And that commute can suddenly end in tragedy. And for this reason, the highway department, ever so often, they'll get out on that road and they'll repaint the lines on that highway. You'll see them out there. Repainting those lines on the highway so we can better see the path that's laid out for us. Whether in the daylight or in in the night so it can reflect off of our lights. And because from time to time, those lines in the sun and with the the travel and all, they'll begin to fade away. And in the same way as we go through life, the moral lines that God's Word paints in our hearts and our minds, when we look at life and we make decisions, the Word of God paints those lines there for us so we can make sure and stay within the path God's given us. But those moral lines of God's Word, they'll begin to fade away in our hearts. The flesh rubs them away. Our memories will fade away. We get distracted, and you can't see those lines quite so well anymore. But when we read the Bible, you know what we're doing? We're repainting the pathway. When we read God's Word, we are repainting those moral lines so we can better and more clearly see the path that God's laid out for us to travel. My classmate died because she forwarded in her path. She forwarded because the state didn't erect barricades. They drew lines. Now, had they put those big concrete barricades up, if there was concrete barricades from Athens all the way to the place where I work, on each side of me, why, no one. I wouldn't hit anyone head on, would I? I might run the back end of somebody, but I wouldn't hit anyone head on. Why? I couldn't. I could run into the line. Or the barricade. But I couldn't run into somebody else. What happened to my classmate. Couldn't happen to me. But it's up to each driver. To stay within the lines. Because the state does not put down barricades. They put down paint. And the paint gives us an awareness. Of the direction we're supposed to go. The way we're supposed to travel. God doesn't put up barricades for us. Man, had God put up barricades, Adam and Eve would have gone over the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they'd go, oh, I can't reach it. It would have never happened. It would have been a farce. Do you know what would have happened? Do you know why God didn't put a barricade around the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? If He put a barricade up, it would have prevented Adam From ever being able to obey. You can't obey. Unless you have the ability. To transgress. You can't. 
God doesn't put up barricades. He lays down lines in His Word. He didn't put a fence around the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He put a line around it. Thou shalt not eat of it. (laughs) That was the line He drew. And like the paint on the road, it's totally crossable. If you want to. You can cross it. When the commandment of God's word forbidding Adam to eat from the tree, God drew a line around that tree for Adam and Eve to never ever cross. The only barricade that God put up was the angel that kept them out after they crossed the line. The one with the flaming sword that turned every way. That's the only barricade. And that shows us God allows us to choose. But once that choice is made, that's when the barricade goes up. We're now committed to the consequences of that choice. By God's design, we can choose to leave our lane, but doing so will always have severe consequences. So read the Scriptures, and when you read them, see God's Word as the lines that are marking out your path. Let them be placed in your conscience with indelible ink or indelible paint, whatever you want to call it. When you read the Bible, let your faith allow God's Word to paint the lines thick and plain in your heart and see everything outside the lines as dangerous to your commute through life. See each line of Scripture as a line marking the safe path that God's given you. Love to adhere to the lines and fear to cross them. Understand that God has made those lines wisdom to you. And be not as those that froward in their path. Because a broken line will always lead you to a broken heart. And with that, we'll go ahead and close tonight. And Lord willing, take back up in our verse next Wednesday night. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for those who came to church tonight. I thank you for those who are watching online as well. I thank you, Lord, for giving us lines that we're not to cross. I thank you, Lord, that it's not a farce. We do have the ability to disobey you, which means we have the privilege to yield to your will, to truly and sincerely bow the knee to our God in actual humility in genuine obedience to your word thank you father for not putting up barricades thank you father for laying down lines and I pray dear Lord that those lines by faith will be barricades in our hearts that we never want to cross we'll see them father as impassable without running into pain and sorrow and most of all the displeasure of our God. Help us to walk in all pleasing of your will and I pray you'll bring us back safely Sunday. We pray once again for all the requests made tonight in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.